Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me just give you a really quick review. I told you in the beginning of our study in Galatians that I was going to title each of these chapters, Grace-Filled Freedom. So that's the title of my sermon, Grace-Filled Freedom. And we talked about in previous studies in the book of Galatians that this book has been called the Declaration of Independence of Christian Liberty. And I explained to you that Galatia is a region, it's a territory, it's not a church, it's not a city, it's a region. And it's in this region that you will find the city of Philippi, you'll find Ephesus, you'll find Colossae. We also talked about that the Galatian people were originally from Gaul, and they were like country people, they were like backwoods people, they were like ancient hillbillies, and they were easily misled I told you that the book of Galatians, I think this is important to remind you, is like no other book in the Bible in that it has set many, many people free. Are you listening? Throughout the ages. It was in the fourth century that Augustine realized that he was powerless to live a sinless life. And he began reading about the grace of God and about that grace that sets men free. And the solution to his problem was grace through faith in Jesus And Augustine's life was changed. And then in the 16th century, Martin Luther, I bet you know that name, as he was trying hard to be righteous with God through rules and regulations, and one day he heard God speak, Martin, the just shall live. Somebody help me by faith. And the Protestant Reformation was born. It's in the 18th century, if you're taking notes, it's May 24th, 1738, John Wesley for the first time, got a hold of the fact that salvation is by grace through faith alone, which launched the Methodist movement. And I don't know, I can't help but tell you this. October 2008, in the city of Hyderabad, at the National Pastors Conference, church leaders and pastors, and some even from other countries other than India, have been being set free, and their lives have been changed all because of this message of grace. My point is, saints, listen, grace is an important topic in the Bible, and it is woven cover to cover throughout all of the scriptures. And whenever any people, person, people, church, nation, or group gets a hold of this understanding of grace, it sets people free. Now, lots of churches and lots of pastors are afraid to teach grace because they say and believe that if you teach people about the grace of God, that somehow it's going to cause people to go out and sin it up. When I disagree, 
I say that if you teach people and give them a balanced understanding of the grace of God, they won't want to go out and sin. They'll want to go and love the Lord more because they understand what Jesus has done. They understand how grace applies and how it works in their lives. They understand this topic of grace. Well, I told you each time we gathered together, I was going to give you this outline. I bet you thought I forgot, huh? I'm going to give you the outline to the whole book of Galatians. Maybe you haven't been with us. Here you go. You got a pen? Chapters 1 and 2, the book divides real nicely and real easily. Chapters 1 and 2, Paul describes his experience in regards to the grace of God. And then in chapters 3 and 4, Paul describes his doctrine in regards to the grace of God. And then finally, in chapters 5 and 6, Paul describes the application of the grace of God to our lives. His experience, his doctrine, and the application of the grace of God to our lives. That's the whole book of Galatians. Paul is a man of grace in the Bible. The book of Galatians is a book about grace. Well, be that as it may. Chapter 3, we pick up in verses 1 through 9. Let's see how much we can get covered here. I don't know. I think we can cover the whole chapter. What you guys think? If you said no, you're probably right. We'll pick up in verses 1 through 9. I think we can do that. And then we'll come back and have some comments. Galatians 3, verse 1, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. Oh, foolish Galatians. And isn't that a way to open up a chapter? I just love that. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations, notice the plurality, the nations shall be blessed. So then in verse 9, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. As you know, have you been with us? Paul has been defending and fighting for the truth of the gospel and the truth of the gospel of grace. There were these men known as Judaizers coming behind Paul's ministry and telling the Galatian Christians that Paul was giving them half-truth. That yes, you must believe in Jesus. Yes, grace is good, but you also need to be circumcised, they said. And that you also need to keep the laws of Moses in order to be saved. Well, in chapter 2, verse 21, Paul said, We cannot set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. 
Paul is simply saying, listen, if at the end of your life you stand before God and your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then Christ died in vain. And isn't that true? I mean, think about it. If good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell, then Jesus died for nothing. That's what Paul says. Well, then here in chapter 3, Paul begins to ask them a series of five questions. You want to notice question number one in verse one. Paul says, go ahead and look at it. Paul says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed? Oh, foolish Galatians. You know, Paul was not Mr. Nice Guy. You know, we get the impression that Paul was like man full of grace and he was Mr. Nice Guy and, you know, he just was like full of spirit. You know, Paul was, Paul would, Paul was not politically correct. Did you know that? Paul says, you foolish Galatians. He wasn't trying to he was be politically correct. He was straight. You foolish Galatians. Here are some, listen to some of these other translations, how they read verse 1. In the New English Bible, it says, you stupid Galatians. In the Amplified Bible, I think it lives up to its name. It says, oh, you poor, silly, thoughtless, unreflecting, and senseless Galatians. I can't even say that again. It's so many adjectives. The Phillips translation, it says, oh, you dear idiots. You know, Paul wasn't politically correct. Paul was straightforward. You know what? We as Christians, people nowadays are so politically correct, we, I don't even know what people are saying anymore. I mean, really, you don't even know what people are saying because they're being so politically correct. Paul was not politically correct. Paul says, you foolish Galatians, or literally, you empty-headed Galatians, who has bewitched you or who has cast a spell on you that you should not obey the truth whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed among you as crucified. Paul says the truth of the gospel was clearly betrayed and plainly and openly taught to you. It was clear. The gospel was clear. The gospel should be clear. Pastor, leader, Sunday school teacher, church person, trash person, whatever you do in church, Christian, when you share the gospel, it should be clear. It should be so clear that a child can understand it. That's what blessed me about Friday night. I believe that what the Lord put on my heart to say was clear enough that children could come and respond to it. That blessed me because the gospel should be clear enough where children understand it, where a 12-year-old can understand the terms and the conditions of salvation. It should be clear. And so often we, we, we have so many words, you know, this morning I'm preparing for church and and I'm, you know, brushing my teeth, and I like to watch. I don't know why I do this, but I, I turn on Christian television and you know, brush my teeth, get ready for church. And I'm hearing this guy preaching, and he's using words that are just like, I mean, I don't even know what they mean. And, 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 and the people are not responding. You know, some of our church. 
The people aren't, you know, yes, pastor, yes, yes. You know, they're not, they're not really, they don't, they don't understand. They just don't understand. He goes, oh, y'all don't, y'all, don't, y'all don't know what I'm saying. Y'all not with me. I'm like, you're right. They're not with you because they don't know what you're talking about. They have no idea because the gospel is not clear. The gospel should be clear enough where a child can understand it, where a 12-year-old can understand it. That's why children love to be around Jesus. The gospel was simple. You know, somebody once said the gospel is profoundly simple and simply profound. It's deep enough for a theologian to drown in and shallow enough for a baby to swim in. That's the gospel. It should be simple, easy to be understood, and clearly explained. And so Paul says, you empty-headed Galatians who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, that you should go back to the Mosaic law, that you should go back to the Old Testament system, that you should go back under legalism. And notice this. I found this interesting. First time I saw this. Notice what Paul calls legalism. He calls it, verse 1, foolishness. He calls it sorcery. And he calls it disobedience. Sorcery, witchcraft, foolishness, disobedience. Jesus was so simply and powerfully and plainly put before them. Paul says, why are you not using your head? Who has come along and taught you something that would cause you to be disobedient to the truth? And then notice the second question Paul asked them. Paul says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? In verse 2, are you looking at it? If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, the key word here is receive. In other words, they didn't get saved by doing the law, but by the hearing of the gospel and the receiving it by faith. And then notice the third question. Are you so foolish? In verse 3, having begun in the spirit, are you now going to be made perfect by the flesh? The key word here is begun. In other words, it's foolish to start out trusting and relying on the Holy Spirit, and then to move to trusting and relying on the flesh. And that's what these Galatians were doing. They were trusting in the Spirit when they first got saved. But then these Judaizers are coming back and saying, yes, that's good, but you also need to keep the law. You also need to be circumcised. So they began in the Spirit, and now they're seeking to be made perfect in the flesh by keeping the laws of Moses and the dietary laws and things like that. So you began in the spirit. Do you think you will be perfected in the flesh by circumcising and a keeping of the dietary laws? And then the fourth question, it's in verse four. Have you suffered so many things in vain? Go ahead and look at verse four. Have you suffered so many things in vain? Well, the key word here, Bible students underline that, suffered. You see, the Galatians suffered being ostracized and persecution for the sake of the gospel. If they turned to works, all that suffering would be in vain. And then the fifth and final question. He says, therefore, in verse 5, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The key word is miracles. You might remember as Paul came to Lystra, 
there was a man who was healed and who had never walked. And Paul said, did all of that happen by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Well, obviously, by faith. You see, we have to be careful about that today. The Lord is doing a work in the Spirit. You know, it makes me think of, I didn't think of this first service, but it makes me think of, you know, Calvary Chapel. Back in the 60s, some of y'all remember, God began to use Chuck Smith to reach out to the hippies in Southern California. And they were all drugged out. And a bunch of those drugged out hippies now have some of the largest churches in the country. It's true. And they're good friends of mine. <laughs> what does that say about me? And, um, but, you know, and God began to do that work in the spirit. And now we have two, three generations of Calvary Chapel. I think I'm about third generation Calvary Chapel pastor. And my co-laborers in this third generation. And God did that in the spirit. And I've watched over the years, as I know quite well the history of Calvary Chapel, as many people have sought to go out and model exactly what Chuck Smith did. I praise God for Chuck Smith. If, if, if God had not used, I can tell you this, if God had not used that man to do that work way back when I was one, well, I just told y'all how old I am, didn't I? Oh, some of y'all can't do the math. Okay, good. I thank God for that. Because God did a work in him in the spirit. And because of what God began then in the spirit, now I'm a product of that. But what I have seen is that God began that work in Chuck Smith. Y'all stay with me just for a second, okay? What God did in the 60s with the Calvary Chapel movement, I have watched men and pastors come and they try to replicate and duplicate that exact same thing. And so they try to get in the pulpit and they teach like Pastor Chuck. They act like Pastor Chuck. I mean, you've seen, and they stand like Pastor Chuck or rub their head like Pastor Chuck. And he tends to rub his head and, you know. And you can tell. And it's like, I think it's a wonderful thing that God did that work in Pastor Trump, but that's what God did in the spirit in the 60s. Now, God wants to continue to use each and every man and woman of God to do a work in them in the spirit and not to try to replicate that in the flesh. Because you can, you can, you can try, God can do a work in the spirit. You're trying to do that same work, but now you're doing it in the flesh because it wasn't inspired by the spirit in you. And you find yourself defeated and frustrated. I have found the best way to be used of God is to say, God, you began to work in me in the spirit. Now, Lord, use me by your spirit and who you made Rodney and what you did in Rodney. Use that, Lord, to, to bring glory to you. I've had people come and tell me, well, you know, when we first, especially when we first got started. Not so much anymore. But they would say, well, you know, this is a nice church, but... Man, man, well, you know, it's nice church, but you're not Pastor Chuck. Well, it's nice church, but you're not Bob Coy. Oh, it's a nice church, but you're not Greg Laurie. 
I'm like, I know I'm not Greg Laurie, Chuck or Bob. I'm black, they're white. (laughs) Yeah, I said it. Okay, so what? Not only that, but I'm not trying to be like them. Because I realize, thank you. I realize that that's not the way God moves. God did a work. This church is very different than many Calvary chapels. The thing that Calvary Chapel has in common is that we teach the word of God verse by verse, and we believe in the infallibility and the inerrancy of Scripture, and we believe that it needs to be taught verse by verse to the people. And we believe that people need to have an opportunity to worship. Those two things you will find in every single Calvary Chapel. But every single Calvary Chapel pastor is different, should be different, Because God began a work in the spirit in the 60s and God began a new work in the 70s and God began a new work in the 80s and the 90s and 2000. And after I'm gone, God will be doing another work in another generation. And we can't be trying to perpetuate what God has done in the spirit in the flesh. You know, as God uses pastors here to go out and start other churches, don't try to be like me. Say, Lord, take me and use me for who you've called me to be in the Spirit. You can't begin and you can't even expect God to bless the flesh. God don't bless mess. (laughs) Flesh. He only blesses the work of the Spirit. And Paul says, hey, who has bewitched you, that which God began in the spirit, you now seek to be made perfect in the flesh. Church is growing. Church is doing great. I see many pastors start out well. And they've, they, they start out with the right heart. Start out with the right desire and the right motive that people might know God. But somehow, listen, that which was begun in the spirit turned into a work of the flesh. And so the church begins to grow. And then the, and then God did that in the spirit. And now the pastor starts thinking, the leadership starts thinking, how can we get the church to continue to grow? Well, let's get one of those companies that do, you know, demographic studies of our area and find out exactly what do people want in church. And then we'll get that in our church, and then our church will grow. That's the work of the flesh. You know, people want Starbucks in church. People want McDonald's in church. I've got no problems with that. But don't begin to work or seek the, for God, who's began to work in the Spirit, to bless something that now you're doing in the flesh. And that's what Paul is saying. And then he uses Abraham, notice, as exhibit A in verse 6. Go ahead and peek at it in your Bibles. As Abraham who believed God by faith. You see, before the law was given, before Moses, Abraham was declared righteous. The Jewish people, listen, are the literal seed of Abraham. But those who believe by faith are the spiritual children of Abraham. And then in verse 8. God has laid this out in the scriptures, the plan of salvation to Abraham, and that through him all nations, plural, are you watching it? Look at it, shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Now we need to understand, saints, listen, 
Abraham was not righteous because of his good works. Abraham was not righteous because he deserved it. As a matter of fact, Joshua tells us when God called Abraham, he lived with his father. Abraham's father's name was Terah, T-E-R-A-H. And he was a terror, T-E-R-R-O-R. Many Jewish scholars believe that Abraham's family, listen, owned and operated a successful idol store. If you were here Wednesday night, you saw that picture that Roger showed of the, this Hindu man, and he had all these gods, these images of gods. Did you see that? That's striking. He must have had 400 different gods carrying them around on a cart. Now, you know you're in trouble when you've got to cart your god around. <laughs> Say amen, saints. Amen. If I've got to cart my god around, I'm going to be God. <laughs> but many, many Bible scholars believe that Abraham and his family, they, 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 had, they sold idols. So when God, here's my point, are you listening? When God called Abraham, Abraham was an idol-worshiping Gentile who sold idols in a store. Probably like idols are us or something like that. And God at that point called Abraham. Are y'all with me, people? It was at that point that God called Abraham and told him to pack it up and go to a land that I will show you. And then I'll lead you to the promised land. And it was there that God told Abraham, through him all the earth would be blessed. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.